Well, good morning, NBC. You guys are probably wondering, where's the little ball guy? Um, he is uh, he is teaching. He's doing, I think, a homecoming service uh, for a church that he was at years and years and years ago after he left, I think it was Phil Baptist, like in the mid-90s. It's uh, called Cox's Creek. So pray for them as is uh, they're having their uh, homecoming service. But uh, I wanted to uh, just thank um, um, everyone that served at our Thrillies and Chilies event on Tuesday night. It was absolutely just incredible, okay? So give yourself a hand. It was absolutely just an incredible event. Just a couple of highlights. We served over 325 cups of chili to the community, which is awesome. All kinds of people serving. We, Cy, myself and Cy were trying to uh, figure out how many pieces of candy we gave out, but you have like Tootsie Rolls and then you have like Twix bars. They're not the same, but it's somewhere between 15,000 pieces of candy we give out. Uh, thanks to everybody that did Trunk or Treats, Tyler, Jerry and, and Penny for bringing uh, Bonnie and Clyde, the, the, mule, uh, the mule team. And uh, man, just, I can't say enough just how proud I was to be a part of our church because we've been doing Thrillies and Chilies now for what, seven, eight years? Nine years. And this, this one just was really, I mean, it was so community focused and you guys really knocked it out of the park. So I just wanted to encourage you in that because uh, that's, what church, that's what being the body of Christ is all about, right? Serving those around us. Um, and there's an absolute blessing in that. So I'm really, really grateful uh, for this church. Um, all right. So with that, um, and I'm trying to keep it together, but, but Michael had to go and do that song. And Your Love, O oh Lord, that song by Third Day, when I was a new Christian, it just, it just reminded me of exactly where I was. And uh, Gosh, that song gets me, gets me tore up, but <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it together. But so last time we spoke, I think it was back in June or... Uh, might have been May, June, or July, something like that. Um, we spoke about um, contentment, if you remember, for those of you guys that were here. And I am, you know, I work in corporate America, and I love a good flow chart. Do you guys know what a flow chart is? Like, if this, then that, right? And so I was thinking, I was thinking through um, why we're not content. Right, and I talked a little bit about that last uh, last time I spoke, but I'm going to tell you a story. So get your Bibles out. You're going to need some nimble thumbs because we're going to go from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We're not going to spend time all of our time in one book. And I've got so many scriptures that I don't know that we're going to be able to keep up with it. Um, I didn't get them all to Todd, um, so just follow along with me. But where we're going to start first is in 1 Samuel chapter 8. 1 Samuel chapter 8. So get your Bibles out. 1 Samuel chapter 8. It's in between Ruth and 2 Samuel. 
after the judges, after the five books of the law, the Torah, okay? So it's kind of towards the front. Calvin, if you're, if you're keeping the score at home, it's at the front of the book, not at the back of the book, okay? All right. So let me set the stage a little bit for you. During this time, Israel was being ruled by prophets and judges, okay? They did not have a quote-unquote elected body. They had like elders of the tribes. They had different, uh, they had a different type of structure than we would understand today, okay? And it says, and I don't want you to go there, but it says in 1 Samuel chapter 3 that the word of the Lord was very uncommon during this time, right? The Israelites had kind of, you know, were doing their own thing. If you remember, Craig has taught different times about the judges and how everybody was starting to do what was right in their own eyes, right? Usually when we do what's right in our own eyes, usually when we follow after our heart, you ever heard anybody say, follow your heart, right? Do you know that your heart can deceive you? right? It says in Isaiah that the, the, the human heart is desperately wicked, right? Above all things, right? So following our heart sometimes can lead us down a path to the destruction. But God had done some amazing things with Samuel's leadership, okay? So Samuel was basically the last prophet and judge before Israel got a king, Okay? So just to give you kind of a couple of things, and I, I would encourage you to go and read 1 Samuel. Go and read those books, okay? Because they're gonna kind of inform some of what we're gonna talk about. But during that time, there's some really good parts of Samuel. Samuel whipped the Philistines like three or four different times, okay? The Philistines kept coming in and invading. Samuel and the Israelites would go down there and stamp them out. But during that time, the Philistines take the Ark of the Covenant, okay? And in the Old Testament, if they took the Ark of the Covenant, that was basically the only way that they had to commune with God. It's not like we are now where we can ask Jesus into our heart and we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. So during that time, the Ark of the Covenant was everything that the, the Israelites, it was their life, right? And they, they could go in there, and they could worship the Lord. But during this time, the enemy had took the ark down to Philistia, okay? So it was returned and they brought it back. And so this is the time the ark is back in Israel. Samuel is getting old, okay? And his sons are getting ready to take over. So are you in 1 Samuel chapter eight? You guys ready to follow along? All right, I'm reading that in the NIV. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of the firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was uh, Abijah, and they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you are old and your sons do not follow your ways. 
Now appoint us a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. And they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are doing, they are doing this to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king will reign over them and will claim as his rights. All right, so what is, uh, what's God saying? What's Samuel telling God here? Hey, give them what they want. They want a king, right? They want to be like all the other nations. Now, I want you to remember that because we do this in our lives, gang. We want to be like everybody else. We want those things. And again, social media and, 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 the, and what social media is great, but it's also very dangerous, does that make sense? Because we start comparing ourselves to each other and it can wreak terror on our lives. But at the same time, it's also a great way to connect. You might be able to connect with somebody that you haven't seen in 30 years, 20 years. Know what's going on with people. When somebody passes away, you can actually go to the funeral and support and love. So let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater because a lot of times I'll pile in on social media and everybody's like, amen, brother. Yeah, woo, woo. Social media is great for what it is. We just can't do the comparison thing. So God is telling them, hey, give them what they want. They want a king. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. They're rejecting Yahweh, Elohim. They're rejecting the God that brought them out of slavery right? So give us, we want to look like the rest of the other nations around us. It's that comparison game, okay? So he said, this is, this is Samuel speaking. So he's telling the Israelites, he's telling the Israelites, here's what the king's going to do to you when I appoint him. So the king will reign over you and he'll claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them to serve with chariots and horses. And they will run in front of your chariots. He'll take them to battle. He'll draft your kids. Right? Number 12. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and so others to make weapons of war and equipment for chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and your vineyards and your olive groves and give them to his attendants. He's going to tax you, right? If he takes your land... If I go over to Les's house and I say, I'm, I'm going to need a dozen eggs from you a day, and I'm going to need this little piece of property, and you're going to give it to me. What is that? It's a form of a tax, right? Because I'm the king and I say so, right? Keep in mind, they did not have this type of structure 
beforehand. Does that make sense? They didn't have this, but they wanted, quote unquote, the security of a king to protect them. They weren't relying on God. They were relying on man. They were seeing the other nations that were worshiping other gods. That's why God got so mad. He was like, they haven't rejected you, Samuel. They're rejecting me, right? So, verse 16. Your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and your donkeys, he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen, but the Lord will not answer you that day. Verse 19, and here's the crux. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us, and to go out before us and fight our battles. I want you to think on that. They didn't trust God, but they wanted to put a man in charge of them to go and fight the battles for them. They were kind of like, if we have a king, they're going to take care of us, and we ain't have to worry about all the other nations around. We don't have to worry about the Philistines coming in, or we have to fight them all the time, or the Amorites, or the Hittites, or the Moabites. We don't have to worry about all those people around us because we'll have a king to take care of us, right? You see where we're going here? Then the Lord answered to them, listen to them and give them a king. Then Samuel said to the Israelites, everyone go back to your hometown. It's clear that Israel was getting impatient with the current leadership, right? I mean, it tells us that Samuel's kids were not righteous, right? It says that they weren't good leaders. That was Joel and Abijah. They, they weren't great people. They were perverting justice and whatnot. But at the same time, the problem is, is that they weren't trusting God. They wanted to look like the other nations around them. Okay. So I have a confession to make. Okay. Um, I am the CCO of my own life. Okay. CCO. So you've got CFOs and corporations, they're chief financial officers. You've got CEOs and chief executive officers. In my own life, I'm the chief comparison officer. I'm the chief of comparing my life to everyone else. We compare ourselves to everyone and everybody. We don't know their situation. We don't know their circumstances. We'll look at people's lives and say, gosh, I wish I had that. Gosh, I wish I looked like that. Gosh, I wish I had their looks. Whatever. I wish I had their family. Right? We compare ourselves, and I know I do. We compare ourselves among ourselves. So number one, if we want to be free from the comparison game, 
Guess what? Number one, we shouldn't compare. There's a scripture, 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12 and 13. So that's the New Testament for those of you following along. Be nimble. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. You, however, will not boast beyond the proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of the service God himself has assigned to you, a sphere that also includes you. So what Paul is saying there in Corinthians is don't compare yourselves because what's the, what's the gauge? Are we grading on a curve? I mean, I mean what, what, are, what are you comparing? If you're comparing yourself to another human, there is no perfect human. There's only one, right? Who's the only one? Jesus, right? He's the only one that we should compare ourselves to. If we live like Jesus, we're fulfilling the Great Commission. So Paul is telling him, hey, if you're comparing yourself, Sam, if you're comparing yourself to Rex, that's silly. It's not very smart. Number two. How do we find contentment? How do we find what we need? So 1 Timothy 6, so the last chapter of 1 Timothy, tells us, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. So getting back to Israel, why, why do you think Israel rejected God? What was their reason at this point in time? What it truly come down to was trust, right? They did not trust in God. Listen, gang, I'm going to tell you, and, and you guys probably hear me talk about this in men's ministry a lot, but... The Old Testament is full of stories that are foreshadowings of us, our walk with God. Have we, has anyone in here ever had problem trusting the Lord other than me? I mean, this isn't, this isn't AA, but I mean, I could literally go up and be like, my name is Steve, I struggle with trusting the Lord, right? 
We all do it. Don't look at me like a cow looking at a new gate, okay? It's the truth. We all struggle with trust. So when we read stories like that, that should illuminate the path for us to say, I need to trust the Lord. He is going to provide the way, right? He is going to make the way. But the problem with us is we're just like Israel. We struggle with that trust and that time. See, time, you guys know God is not bound by time, right? He bound humans by time. He did not bound himself. So our, our idea of time, we're microwaves. We want to slap it in. We want to put the hot pocket in the microwave and it be done in two minutes. God doesn't live like that. He's in heaven. We're on earth. We're the only ones that are bound by time, right? So it comes from not trusting and not being content in the Lord. The only way that I know to be content, to be trusting in the Lord is to live more like Jesus, okay? Because it breaks the discontentment in our own hearts because we're now looking at Jesus, right? Who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. We're looking to him and when we give and we serve, it creates gratitude in us because contentment at the end of the day comes back to gratitude. If we don't have gratitude, guess what? We're gonna be discontent, right? I don't care how much money you have. I don't care about your health. I don't, whatever it is that you have in your life that we cling to, it can be taken quickly. And then that's where the rubber meets the road. Are we gonna be content in what the Lord has given us. So, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 9. I'm going to read to you here. So, just down the road from Corinthians. I know I keep giving you guys a lot of script. Hopefully, you're following along. You guys got your digital devices out? What are we doing here? All right. You can highlight those in your Bible app, too. So, um, they can help you reference back to them, you know, and you can reuse them over and over again. It's good. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever shows, whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary and well-doing, for in proper time we will reap the harvest if we do not give up. The only way I know to break the back of our discontentment, and I know it sounds simple and I know it sounds cliche, is to, to give, to give of our time, our energy, and our talent, to look more like Jesus, right? When we give our time, our talent, and our tithe, it breaks the back of greed, envy, and want. What did the Israelites want? They wanted to look like the other nations so that they could have safety, right? Our king will go in front of us and fight our battles for us. Let me ask you a question. When God parted the Jordan River and they went into the land in Joshua, did God not tell them that he was going to fight their battles for them? 
Did he not go into Jericho and wipe them, just wipe them out? And they didn't even have to fight. They marched around the walls. The Jericho, people of Jericho, the walls come tumbling down and they fought each other. The people from Jericho. Listen, listen. God did. So God did those things. He went to fight before him, but they had stopped trusting in the Lord. They had stopped trusting in him. So I'm going to read to you here. We're going to go back to the Old Testament. Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. I'm going to read the whole entire psalm, and I believe you've got that one, Um, Todd. Psalm chapter 1. I promise to get you guys out of here before the, the, the Methodists and the Presbyterians and the Catholics go to lunch. We'll, be, we'll beat them over to El Rio or McDonald's. Or, they're like, oh my gosh, he's doing four different books. What are we doing here? Psalm chapter one. All right, everybody good? Blessed is the one who does not walk in the steps with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But those who delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditate on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaves do not wither when whatever they do prospers. Not so for the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the ways of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. I know what you're thinking. All right, we went around from Old Testament, New Testament. Remember how I said earlier that God's not bound by time? We are. So I was reading through this. I'm doing a study in a year of the Bible, and Psalm 1 came up while I was thinking about what I wanted to teach on this weekend. And I was like, there it is. It's right in front of us. So I wanted to add this one in, okay? Number one. Blessed are those who do not walk in step with the wicked. It's really hard for us to be in this world, but not of it. Does that make sense? It's really, really hard. We have many different things that pull at us, that is trying to divide our attention, trying to divide us, try to divide the church, right? But God tells us the way that you don't sit in the company of mockers, the people that would try to stand in your way. He says, but those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditate on the law day and night. All right. That word there for meditate is the same meditate that's used in Joshua, okay? Chapter one, 
that word for meditate literally is the same word that they use for a cow when a cow would chew on its cud, okay? So what God is saying is to utter, uh, utter, murmur his word, meditate on his law, chew it around in your mouth, okay? Take it in, speak it. Does that make sense? Meditate on this book of the law day and night, okay? And in Joshua, it says that it will give you success wherever you go. The next point I want to point out is that he compares us to a tree that's planted along a string. And he talks about the fruit of that tree. So when we root ourselves in the foundation, which is God, which is Jesus, right? When we root ourselves in his Bible, that he, the letter that he wrote to us to give us hope, right? When we meditate on that book of the law, we are like a tree <coughs> that is planted by strength. Has anybody ever seen like fruit trees or, but like I can remember uh, my buddy lived out here in the paddock and there was a, there was a buckeye tree that was planted along this creek bed. And we used to have buckeye wars. And I'm telling you, there's so many buckeyes out there. You guys know how hard a buckeye is? We used to beam each other with it. But I, there were so there were so many buckeyes. Like I mean, we literally would just sit out there and throw buckeyes at each other all day long. I mean, there was a horse farm behind it. And before you know it, I mean, we we're just acting crazy. But has anybody ever had a had a fruit tree or something like that that was planted near the water? Was planted near a stream? I want you to think about it. The root system is going to can always be sustained. Does that make sense? It's always going to have water there unless they're going through a drought or whatnot, right? But God, God always provides, right? God always gives us the water, which the water represents the word. So the more that we read the word, the more the, the stream will flow. But here's the point. We will yield our fruit and our, we our leaves will not wither, and whatever we do will prosper. But what does it say? We will yield our fruit in season. In season. So that comparison game, when we're comparing ourselves amongst ourselves or to each other or to some, somebody on TikTok or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, right? We're not comparing ourselves in the season that they're in. Does that make sense? We compare ourselves. We're looking at people in a moment in time that could have been doing something for 20 years, right? Does that make sense? We're comparing ourselves improperly. So here's a couple of encouragements. Get excited with your journey. Whatever it is, for my teenagers, for my adults, young adults, get excited with what God is doing inside of you. Does that make sense? Don't be discontent. Get excited with the journey and what it looks like. We seldom give ourselves time 
we don't give ourselves time. We just, we want it now. Does that make sense? God wants us to get excited with the journey. Think about one thing that you've improved in the past 12 months. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your relationships. Think about that and then thank God for it. Stop looking at what you don't have. Start looking at what you do have. And what happens is, is that is what produces the gratitude in our hearts to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for bringing my family together. Okay? And stay to the process. Don't chase after someone else. Chase after who you were yesterday. Right? Am I better than I was yesterday? Don't compare yourself to other people because you know what? They're at a different place. Right? They're in a different place in their life. You don't know. You're looking at them in an epoch of time and saying, gosh, I wish I could be like that. You don't know how hard they work. You don't know what they went through. You don't know if their life stinks, especially if it's social media. You see a lot of these people on social media and they're, they're not happy. But they put on this facade like they're so happy because it's a business, gang. It's a business. Be grateful for what you have. Gratitude will extinguish want, envy, and greed in our lives. The Israelites envied the other nations. They're like, gosh, if we just had a king, they'd, he'd take care of us. He'd go and fight our battles for us. Little did they know, he was going to take their, their, their daughters, their sons. He's going to send them to war, right? He's going to take their land. But they're like, oh, no, no, give us a king. We want a king. Right? Listen, comparison is a never ending. It's never ending because, and, and Craig talked about this last week, because the human state cannot be satisfied. Anything that we try to do in our own power, we can't satisfy it. We're never satisfied. We're only satisfied in Jesus. That is where we find our satisfaction. So what I like to do is pray for us, and then I'm going to have my lovely wife come up and do some announcements for us, all right? Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. I thank you for each and every person that's here. Lord, I just ask that these words uh, of the Lord would fall on hearts. Help us to go and seek more of you in the Word, Lord. This is your, your, your book that you gave us to know you, to love you, to serve you more. Lord, help us to meditate on the words of this book every single day and to grow closer to you. Lord, we pray over this congregation. I pray for Craig as he travels. Lord, any unspoken prayer requests, Lord, we just lift that up to you. And Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. But we also, we also pray for the peace of Israel and Jerusalem, Lord, Lord, be with the people that are there, Lord, but you do what you need to do. But Lord, we pray over that area. We ask that you be in the midst of that and that you will reign. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' wonderful name, amen.